SNL skit where Tom Hanks plays the Trump supporter and he's playing Black Jeopardy. Right, yeah. And he gets, like, all the answers right. Yeah. Just showing, like, and I think Keenan Thompson even says, like, oh, I guess we do have a lot in common. <laughs> like, if we, just, we, if we just focused on that yeah. and helped each other with breaking down these false claims, false narratives, then yeah. I think we would just be in a better place. Welcome to the third episode of Me and My Friends. Uh, today is a very special episode, very special to me. I hope it's special to y'all as well. Um, I have my best friend on the show, Sydney, who is also my wife, if y'all don't know. What would a Me and My Friends podcast be without my wife, right? My best friend in the whole wide world. So I'm going to let her take it away. Sid, go ahead and introduce yourself to the people. Oh, hey, it's me, uh, Sydney. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say I'm nervous. Uh, I do have a tendency to be super awkward when I'm nervous, so <laughs> I apologize in advance. For those of y'all who do not know, me and Sydney met uh, back in New Orleans during our Teach for America days, game-changing situation. Um, so fun story. She might tell you this, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you. So um, the moment I knew that I fell in love with this woman was on a random Saturday morning. I was going uh, back home to, I think it was my sister's graduation or something like that. I don't remember why I was going back home, but I woke up and my car broke down, like something was wrong with my car. Um, and she was also on her way home for a cruise. I remember that part. And um, she spent a good hour, hour and a half just helping me trying to get my car to go. Um, I think you took me to to like go rent a car or something like that. Anyways, just selflessly spent the whole time trying to get me to where I need to go, not even concerned about where she needed to go. Um, and so that's when I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna marry this woman. Yeah, I'm gonna do that. Like that was that was that moment. Um, so I'm, I'm sure you'll hear a lot more as this uh, podcast episode goes on, but I'm just super excited, super humbled as a as a man, as a person, to have this woman in my life. Um, and so I, I hope this next 45 minutes or so that we spend together, you guys are kind of going to get to see and understand why um, she means so much to me. So with, go ahead and take it away, Sydney. Do your thing. Hey. Hey. So, uh, yeah, thanks for inviting me to join the show. Oh, and by the way, in that story that he was telling, I was trapping him. So, <laughs> just kidding. Um, it worked. Yeah, so I, uh, I'm supposed to tell you a little bit about myself. Well, I'm a teacher like John. We met in New Orleans. We were both doing Teach for America. Um, my roommate worked at the same school as John. Shout out to a Sarah. Um, and so, <laughs> and so, uh, I, I met him. Through her, even though we had kind of met a little bit during the, the, uh, what do you call it at the beginning? Uh, not institute, but. I don't recall any of it, so I don't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, probably like during institute or whatever for Teach for America, I met him, but he doesn't even remember that. I wasn't memorable, y'all. I wasn't. I wasn't saying all that. Uh, I'm just kidding. Anyway, so, um, yeah, we became friends through a Sarah and, um, I think the moment I fell in love with John was when he brought his dog Milo <laughs> over to our house. It's a joke that I always tell. 
But yeah, uh, Milo definitely sealed the deal for me. So, but yeah, so it's been a really interesting ride together since those days in New Orleans. Um, we went on to go to New York and then, uh, are now living in Texas, doing our thing as educators. Um, mm-hmm. and we have a little boy now, Joseph, who is absolutely everything and perfectly imperfect. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah. Why don't you go ahead and give me your three, uh, your three like key most impactful moments in your life. Feel free to have all three of them be including me. <laughs> um, but yeah, go ahead, and go ahead and tell people what are the what are the moments in your life that made you the person you are right now. Hmm, man, um, that's so hard. Um, <laughs> that's what she said. So okay, John, come on now, podcast. We're dignified people. You said it. Um, I think definitely. Um, college was really important to me in a way that, um, I think every, in college, of course, is important to everyone, but, um, I came from a place in, um, elementary and, and high school where I didn't really feel, um, confident in my blackness, um, Mainly because I was constantly told that, you know, I wasn't black enough Mm. in the way that I would speak and things like that. And so, um, I just developed a comfortability in myself in college and like met other friends that were like me that kind of had similar stories. And so it just made me feel, um, I felt more accepted for who I was Mm. in college and um, made some lifelong ride or die friends. Um, So that was a really important time for me. And then, of course, (laughs) uh, Teach for America Mm -hmm. being thrown in the trenches (laughs) of public education in New Orleans. was a was a big experience there. <laughs> it was life changing to say the least. Um, all the your world is shattered. Everything that you thought, everything I thought I knew, I didn't know. Uh, so that was huge. And then, hmm, I think probably also I, I'm gonna add two more things two things. Uh, definitely becoming a wife and learning how to, um, be selfless and sacrifice and die to self daily for my family. Um, huge along with uh, being a mother. I mean, being a mother just rips away all these, again, almost like being a teacher, ripping away all the illusions that you have of yourself and of the world. Um, that was huge as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, I want to jump to the, uh, the college, like that's where you found yourself. And I'm, I'm curious about that because you went to 
TCU, <laughs> which is not a black mecca. <laughs> it's not. It's, <laughs> but yet it's really you feel not. like that's where you found your your like that's where you felt accepted. T- tell me about tell me a little bit more about that. Like why why is that the place you felt accepted in a place that does not look like you at all? Yeah, interesting, right? Um, well, I was pretty used to being in places that didn't really look like me. I went to a predominantly white elementary school growing up. I was one of one or two black kids in my class every year. And then um, I think my experience in sixth and seventh grade was a little bit different. I went to a predominantly black school. Like there was a, it was a predominantly black neighborhood. So that was like, and that, that was those two years were the only years it was like that. After that, we went to Mansfield and we all know what Mansfield is. So, um, although there were a lot of, uh, uh, African American kids in my classes in Mansfield, it was still like pretty heavily uh white. Mm-hmm. So yeah, really interesting. I found my that I feel like I found myself in college, but I just found more people that grew up the way I did, grew up being one or two black kids in their class and like having to navigate that and being told, uh, why do I talk like that? And um, I'm being told I'm trying to act white. Like that story was familiar to the other, um, to some, to, to some of the other, uh, black students that I encountered at TCU. And so it made me feel safer there. But I also was a theater kid and <laughs> theater kids don't really have the best reputation. And, uh, <laughs> in school, <laughs> they're definitely on the weirder side of things sometimes. So I just didn't feel as weird with my like dramatic self and just, I just didn't, I, yeah, I just didn't, I didn't stick out. I was able to blend in a Mm. little bit more Mm. in college. And then I found my people Mm. who really identified with me and understood my experiences. Mm. And is that like, do you feel like that's like, that's a, that's a thing at TCU is like the people that you found yourself blending in with, was that the minority population at TCU or was that just your group? overall like it was a pretty accepting Mm. place but again like you have to remember the lens i'm coming from i'm mostly with theater kids Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know so um i felt from the the little box of tcu Mm -hmm. that i was in Mm -hmm. i felt pretty accepted Mm. um is that answering your question? No, I mean, I think that's good. I I, I, um. I I asked because like that. So we kind of went to the same. Our colleges had the same kind of demographic, mm-hmm. right? Like uh, my college. I mean, I don't know the percentage per se of minorities or even black people, but I know it was super, super low, like mm-hmm. super low. Um, and I had a very hard time like fitting in. Like I never felt like I fit in. Mm-hmm. I never felt like I found a group like. 
Um, <clears throat> I feel like I came from a very specific place, but I didn't have mm-hmm. a very specific tie. So, for example, like I looked like the basketball team, mm-hmm. but I didn't play basketball, didn't yeah. care for basketball, and the basketball team like stuck together, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then I did have I did have black friends who. Um, like they were those friends that were like, you sound white, you talk like you're white or mm. like blah, blah, blah. And I would, you would like, I was never accused of that growing up, mm. you know, <laughs> like if anything, like I was not, I couldn't speak English, you know, was, yeah. was some of the things that I had. And so, um, I'm curious as to like whether I asked that question because I was wondering, like, is this a TCU thing or is this a college thing? You just have to, you know, dive out there and figure out like where is that place that you fit in or is there just some places where you're just not going to fit in? Oh, it's definitely just a college thing. I don't mm-hmm. think that TCU was like an anomaly or an exception in this and like everybody's so except, Oh no, there are mm-hmm. definitely stories. There are definitely things that happen. I can recall, for example, one event where, um, Barack had become president and I wrote it on my board. I was an RA at the time. I wrote on my board, Barack's the next president, blah, 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 woohoo, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, someone came through and erased it. Mm-hmm. And I know why they, what I know why they did that. Mm-hmm. Those weren't the people that I spent my time around. Right. No. And so in my little bubble, right. <laughs> I felt super safe and, uh, and, and very, um, uh, what's the right word? I think safe is a good word for it. Yeah, like accepted. Good, comfortable. Accepted, yeah, comfortable. Yeah. yeah. Why did I yeah. forget that word of all words? Comfortable. <laughs> yeah. I felt really comfortable there. But oh, yeah, no. T- TCU was no exception to mm-hmm. racism, bullying, like, you know, yeah. if I if I wanted to seek, if I wanted to find hate, I definitely right. could find it there. Right. But that's not what I was looking for. Right. So. Right. Well, that's good. And so then... um Figure, I figure marriage will tie into this as we go, but I want to jump to um, Joe mm-hmm. and the impacts that that little human has had on yours and our lives. How is yours and our, ours, however you want to thread it, different before and after? So uh, how has having a, a little person impacted marriage? Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah, it really does. You know, like there's just so many expectations that you have of your partner when you have a baby that you never actually express to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh, we have a baby now. So you're going to do this. I'm going to do this. We're going to split this. You know, and um, I all of that is internal. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't really sit down and say, hey, you're going to be in charge of this. I'm going to do this. That way we balance these things. Mm-hmm. Da, 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 da. We didn't really do that. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it caused um, some friction mm-hmm. for sure because I'm over here thinking, uh, I did all this. You, you Why are why you not cooking dinner tonight? <laughs> and and you're like well i didn't know i was supposed to (laughs) yeah there's a lot of i think that 
one thing that it's done for me is make sure that I'm not having these internal monologues or mm. internal uh, plans and conversations. I try to be a lot more verbal about what I want, what I need, what the expectation is. Mm. If I don't like it, I say no mm. uh, so that I don't have to deal with the heartache of... um yeah, of not getting what I thought was supposed to happen or not getting what I wanted. Yeah. You know what I wonder sometimes? And this is totally an excuse. I, I know this because you told me this. Uh-oh. Things. So, but I wonder though, <laughs> I wonder if having a boy first is just like, it, it, like if that was a, like a huge, like, mind thing for me too. Because I'm always kind of like, he's a boy. He's got to figure it out. You know, like he's a boy. He's got to figure it out. Like he'll put on his clothes. He got to figure it out. And he's like, <laughs> he's, he's two. He's two years old. He put him, figure it out. He's got to go to the bathroom, figure it out. You know, and I, I'm, and again, like that is definitely an excuse, but I'm wondering if I leaned, like from your perspective, did I lean mm-hmm. on that like a lot or am I still leaning on that as a, as a husband? Like, um, tell the people yes. how I'm doing. <laughs> Uh, yes, yes, you are leaning on that. <laughs> would I would Absolutely. I do that if, if it was a girl? If Joseph was a girl, you think I'd do the same? No, I okay. don't think so. So I'm not crazy. No, <laughs> I think you probably would be like, let me help you, sweetheart. She's seven. She can, she can feed herself. No, no, she can't. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, I think it probably is a boy thing. Um, and you know, I actually, I think about this a lot now, like how much should I help him and assist him with things? Like, I don't want to coddle him because I don't want to coddle him, um, as much because I know the world isn't going to, mm-hmm. um, I, it's a delicate balance mm-hmm. and I, I think about it a lot. Like, how do I balance my desire or my maternal need to like care and nurture and you know just scoop him up and rub all the boo-boos and like rub his head and like yeah everything's gonna be okay mommy's gonna take care of it uh how much do i balance that with the fact that uh, life is going to be hard for him so he needs to be prepared for that you know and i think i think this is this is probably where we interplay the best like, I think you're further on one spectrum, right? I'm I not, know what he's. I'm not going to say you're all the way on that spectrum. I'm going to say you're further on say. one spectrum, and I am. Nice. I am all the way on the other spectrum. Like I, yes. I am all the way, and I think honestly, like just as a, I'm always looking at this kid in two ways. I'm looking at him right now, and I'm looking at him at 18 and up. Right. Like I'm always like whenever I look at him, I look at him as that like he is three and he is 18. Um, and so I'm I'm trying to straddle this world of like I need to show him that daddy loves him and takes care of him. And he's daddy's going to always be there. And he is the superhero person. But then also like this is a this is a dude who's got to get you ready for the United States of America. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I've been through it. I'm going through it right now. I know what this is like and I've got to get you ready, ready for that. I mean, good or bad. Like I, you know, whether that's the best way to look at it or not, like that's how I'm looking. I just can't help it. I've tried, I've tried, but, um, and so 
Like I'm always like when 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 I can coddle or when I can give that love, like I give it. But I'm intentional about when I'm not, nah, bro, you got to figure this out on your own. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that balances out really well with like your ability, one, to calm me down and remind me he's three. <laughs> three isn't the same as 18. Right. By it's the it's way, definitely if, not. In case you thought. It's yeah. not the same thing. <laughs> um, that's one. And then and then two, I think like reminding me also that like sometimes and this is something i think we're i'm learning in like in marriage as well um there isn't always a fix right sometimes you just kind of need to be there sometimes you just kind of need to hold somebody like sometimes you just gotta you know just like like be there right like there's there isn't always a fix i'm I'm a fixer y'all and i and i know this for any any dude who's listening to this right now like we need to fix like okay there is a problem someone upset my wife I need to go down to that job and I need to figure out who that person is and I need to let them know what they've done. And so, you know, sometimes that's just not what it calls for. And so I think like, I think that balance, I think that's probably where we're best because this kid is super independent. Like he, he is, he is pretty, he is a legit, pretty cool three-year-old. And I think that's because of the balance that we played. Yeah. Okay. So that's the child. He's gotten his, he's gotten his point. Yeah. We'll, we'll do, we'll do marriage a little bit because I know people want to, people want to, People want to talk about that and they want to hear about that. Okay. So, okay. So we've been together for a minute now, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Describe to me beginning together, you know, like those first days, right? Early marriage to where we're at now. Like what's changed? What's the same? How have you grown? How am I different? How am I the same? And, and, And do you feel like those things are universal experiences or are there things that are specific to us? Hmm. Interesting. Um, beginning to now, I would say in the beginning, we, like I said about expectations, we both had expectations of what marriage was, what a wife was, what a husband was, that we never communicated to each other. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I know there are people out there that will identify with this. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so, and I think that was definitely, that's that's been the hardest part, you know, throughout marriage is, communicating and coming to some type of agreement about like you want to do this mm-hmm. i want to do this mm-hmm. we're married let's figure it out together mm-hmm. um that's she's clapping at me <laughs> yes she, i am she, clapping. she's doing a clap <laughs> um yeah so i think that's been one of the biggest challenges for sure like getting on the same page mm-hmm. making sure that we're we are verbally expressing what is in our minds mm-hmm. about things. Um, communication, communication and what, has been challenging. When those expectations aren't set, what do you notice happens? Like those expectations at the beginning, this is what I expect in a marriage or this is how, like how I'm coming at it and, mm-hmm. and how are you coming at it? When that, when those conversations aren't had or when they're not had, when they're had in your head, but not with the person, mm-hmm. what happens? Oh, well, it's just bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just bad. It's just because you're at that point, you know, when when something has gone on long enough, you mad. Yeah, you mad. The other person has no idea why you're mad. And now they're <laughs> mad because they're like, you're crazy. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's I, just. Yeah, 
I think about it like that uh Kevin Hart that Kevin Hart skit, you know, like where he where the, the latest one where he's like going outside and or he's going with a friend, he's going to hang out with a friend. Mm-hmm. Um and uh like she's at his wife is asking him all these questions and he's like, Where are you going? I don't know. You know, like mm-hmm. who are you going with? I don't know. You know, and like mm-hmm. the expectation is like we will communicate when we leave. Like this is something we've talked about, right? Yes. Like we'll communicate when we leave, where we're going, when we'll be back or whatever. Um and I think for me, what I'm what I've been learning throughout marriage and, and communication is like over communication is better than less communication from what I understand. One hundred percent. Yeah, because so that's that is not how I do this. <laughs> and so I, this I goes, know this. I'm married to you. This goes into the <laughs> expectations piece, right? This goes yes. to expectations because in in like my model of, of marriage growing up, right, is like we each have, and maybe maybe they did communicate this, maybe they didn't, I don't know. But like there was this understanding of like, mom did one thing, dad did one thing. And that's all I saw. I just always saw them doing these things. And yeah. so for me, I'm like, all right, when I'm married, these are the things I got to do, you know? <laughs> so yeah. And so I just do them. And then when it looks crazy to you, it's like, why did you do that? I'm like, I don't know. I just I, I did what I had to do, you know? And so, <laughs> and so, and so I think like that's probably, I, I definitely agree that like, those those that communication piece especially early like setting the expectations like if you're not doing that or if you haven't done that like stop right now and sit down and like have that conversation it's like this is what at least this is my model of marriage this is what i've seen and like mm-hmm. this is probably how i'm gonna go into this and then set those expectations because yeah there's a lot of miscommunication that can happen for no reason whatsoever yeah, yeah, I would say that that's like the story of most of our arguments. Mm-hmm. Communication. Yeah. Just a breakdown. And we must be dumb dumb because we keep doing it. Yeah. We keep making the same mistake yeah. with communication. But yes, I, I would agree that over communicating is, uh, the ideal scenario. Yeah. Because yeah. it helps, um, Helps. It just helps keep us both on the same page there. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. That's I mean, we have been married for like fifty years, y'all. But I think yeah, it's it hasn't. I don't know isn't. what's up with his math today. No, I'm saying we have it. Oh, I'm saying, I'm saying we, I mean, we have it. <laughs> I thought you said we been married for fifty what else years. Did I, mess I was up? like, I said guys. we haven't been married for fifty years, y'all. But I think this is good <laughs> advice. Is like just that, and it, it sounds cliche. It really does. And this is I'm saying this as a person who struggles with this. Very much so. Like, I, I struggle with this, but like, just let it out. Just say it. Say the words. Talk. Communicate. More than not. And you'll be, you'll, you'll be a lot better. I want to shift gears here. And this might, this may be a little drastic of a shift, but I, I don't think it is. Well, I'm going to say one thing I've noticed. So I've noticed in the past four years, for whatever reason, I don't, I don't know where this came from. But the past four years, you have gotten a lot more active politically. Oh, really? Interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I, again, I don't know where this is coming from. I don't know what what happened. Um, but yeah, you, you've gotten more active politically, and I, I kind of want to explore that a little bit. In that one, what have you learned this past four years? Like what what's changed um, personally, ideology, ideal, ideal, ideologically. <laughs> yeah, you know, what you believe. Yeah. Um, and then, like, what have you been doing um, about it? Like, what, what's what's changed for you um, as far as, like, the actions you've taken? 
Yeah. So, um, to answer the question, why, uh, give me a T, <laughs> give me an R, give me a U, give me an M, give me a P. What's that spell? Trump. Uh, yeah, I think Trump has just created a really scary world. He and, um, different pundits and, uh, conservative honestly conservative media has really played on people's insecurities and has created this really divisive world with a bunch of misinformation i mean just the things that they're saying that are getting people riled up just they just aren't true and people are already uh, really insecure and and in some cases in a lot of pain, you know, and uh, Trump gave them an in- a common enemy, and there is um, there's a lot of like camaraderie that happens when you have an enemy. Um, I know like when me and my girlfriends don't like somebody, you know, we, we did that, the bond that happens over that, mm-hmm. I think. I think also is um, makes people feel like they like like they have a place in the world, mm-hmm. and so I just want to help just because that doesn't last. That feeling doesn't last forever, you know. Like once you decide, once you've moved on from that, like hate doesn't really keep people together forever. Mm-hmm. So I just really try to help dismantle the misinformation that causes this mob like mentality and try to just like break down for the friends that I have that are like on the edge of becoming like that I really try to help them see that we really just have more in common than not and for my friends that are spreading misinformation I just try to help them see see that basically see what these people are actually about because i really don't think that they're thinking about that one of the things that stuck out to me when uh after i recorded my episode with heather and you listened to it i remember you saying like you it resonated with you when she said that um who is writing or who is speaking Mm. um when they're when we're talking about curriculum and what is their motivation? Yeah. Right? Like, what do they want? I remember that sticking with you really quick. And so that, that to me, like, was a light bulb for me too when I talked mm-hmm. to her. And then when we talked as well. And then I also connect that with my conversation with Alex. When Alex was, uh, I remember we had this exchange about people changing mm-hmm. and whatnot. And I, I remember, and, I, and I've said this to you a lot too, because I think our philosophies are different in how we address like yeah. what's happening right now. I think your philosophy is more of educate. And as an educator, mm-hmm. I definitely agree with that. And I think that should, mm-hmm. I think that should be the way to go. But I might, I think the nuance in our differences is that I don't believe that you can educate everyone because I believe everybody, especially adults, like kids, yes, mm-hmm. kids, like let's mold the mind, let's get them ready for the, what's coming. But I think as adults, I truly believe in responsibility and like your mind is made up. Right. Mm-hmm. Who you are is who you are. Um, and I think I, I personally, I, I, you would never see me engage with a, a, a person who believes the kinds of things that I see 
Trump supporters, right wing nationalists believe. Like, I'll never engage with you because you are who you are. You believe what you believe, period. Um, and I, and I think about, I think about that time where I told you about the guy in the, um, the tow truck driver. Yeah. I was like, I was sitting, so y'all, I'm sitting in this car with this tow truck driver and he is, he is telling me all of the crazy things. There are, uh, there's a FEMA, uh, what is it? A FEMA, uh, coffins. There's apparently some place in New Orleans where there's coffins stacked up like three stories high. Nobody knows mm-hmm. where these coffins are. Um, all the other ones, you know, Obama was born in Kenya and all these other, like just a bunch of stuff. And so for me, I don't see any reason to sit down and have the conversation with you. The stories are hilarious. So I'm sitting here and I'm listening to it. Um, hilarious in the sense that like, you know, this is a detriment to our society, not like ha ha ha. But like, I, I don't, I, I personally as John, I'm not going to interact with that. Like, I'm just going to let you say your stories because I, th- I believe the only way to truly keep this person in check is to keep this person in check right like i'm not i don't i don't think that my mind my job is to change their mind my job is to make sure they can't impact society in any way (laughs) in any way shape or form right my job is to make sure like you are not making decisions right my job is to make sure you your voice is drowned out Mm -hmm. by people who know what they're talking about people who care about more than just their circle right like I, i i think that's my that's my approach to these things because i think as humans we forget that like we are very self-interested people right like we are super self-interested people our jobs our brains jobs and the things that we want is to eat sleep and be happy like that's all we want to do and it takes a lot to like give to someone else right yeah. we have to go out of our way it to give does. to someone else so for me the i think my biggest disappointments are that we we let this guy and he who will not be named right um i'm mean, i'm not going to do that I, trump right the mm-hmm. i think the, our failure as a society is that we let this man become president because he clearly does not have the interest of everyone mm-hmm. right um then we listened to him for 4 years i mean every time i turned on my my tv i mean we don't have cable but like he was everywhere right this guy was everywhere and i think that was our biggest thing like we weren't going to change this guy's mind we knew what he believed back in you know uh, the Central Park Park Five. We knew who this guy was. Um, we should have we should have done a better job of containing his crazy, and we didn't do that. So I, I don't I don't I don't yeah that, that's that's kind of I think that's how we differ in our philosophy. Well, and like one of the things that I think about that though is that he is not Trump is not some anomaly just, that just popped up right. saying crazy stuff. Right. He said those things because that's what other people right. were already saying. Right. And that in his rhetoric, his conspiracy theories have become mainstream. Right. And so I guess that's why I feel the need to educate. Cause I also feel like at, to a certain extent, like educators have failed some of these people. Oh, oh heck yeah. In that, like, oh, yeah. why do they not know how to find sources? Right. Why do they not know how to like identify reliable sources mm. and like filter out information right. like that? Filter out like what is a fact? What is an opinion? Right. I have 
friends on here who are stating things as fact right. that are just opinions. There right. are people just running their mouths on YouTube. Right. So like I, f- I feel that's why I feel the need to educate because I feel like someone has failed you right. if you are saying that koalas or the devil and I'm just I'm sorry that's not that's not a real thing but, but I hear some, but I I see some crazy stuff yeah so I I don't know that's that's what I feel about that I just feel I feel people I feel that even when you're saying racist stuff like I know that's horrible, but I also know that that is coming from some deep insecurity Mm. or pain that you have. And so I try to educate to try to help them like realize, but also heal in a more positive way. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that's, that's why she's my yang y'all. Cause what Sydney sees, she sees pain. And she sees, I've got to give you love. John is like, ain't nobody got time for this. We, we need to find a place for this person where they can say all of their crazy, but can nobody else hear them? Yeah. And they can live happily ever after, and we all can live happily ever after, and too. That, that would have worked before Trump, but now Trump has made that crazy mainstream. Right, right. But I think I, I think that the, 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 the difference here is, though, the... There's a difference between like a megaphone and a stage, right? Mm. Like I think these people currently have a very loud megaphone, megaphone yeah. right? But they actually do not have a very big stage. We are giving up t- spaces for them to do the things that they're doing, right? Like that's what I meant by uh, yeah. uh the every time you turn on, he's on the TV. Like I don't, yeah. First, the freedom of speech. All yeah. great and whatnot, but there are limits to when when you're talking about protecting society. Trump should have been off Twitter four years ago. Yeah, he should have been off Facebook four years ago. Like that is not a freedom of speech problem. That mm-hmm. is a you are talking about a person who is literally destroying the fabric of a society. Mm-hmm. Like his his freedom of speech does not outweigh the yeah. the safety, health, and prosperity of 360 million people. Yeah. It just doesn't. So we gave him a big megaphone. And we gave him a bigger stage. Now I mean, he has a smaller stage. Now we need to also get the other people off the stage. Well, I, I think of it as he brought his own megaphone. Mm-hmm. And then someone was like, hey, come on, bud. Come on up. <laughs> and here's come on up one. to the stage. Yeah, exactly. Here's the microphone. Exactly. Tell exactly. everybody. And he brought all his friends. <laughs> and he brought all his friends. And I think that's, I think that's where that's, if we are going to advance as a society, in, in this country right now, if we are going to continue being America, we have to feel very comfortable, 100% comfortable saying, these people do not represent us. It is okay if we try to shut them up. Like, they're, 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 we shouldn't be afraid to do that. And if we are afraid to do that, then we, we should be okay with also losing our country. We should also be afraid with, like, losing our democracy. We should be okay with that because we let that happen. Anyways, I, I got on a little tirade there. Yeah. All right, my love. So we spent about 40-some minutes together, two or three minutes or so. What have we learned from this conversation? What are we taking away from this conversation? I've started the last two. Do you want me to continue or do you want to? Yeah. Okay, I'll do it yeah. again. At some point, somebody's going to have to jump in first. I, wanna, I, wanna, I want somebody to take it away. This is y'all's show, people. But anyways, I'm going to do it. 
So I think there are, there are a couple of things as always. There's not just one thing that I take away. The first thing is uh, the reminder of the communication piece in marriage. I think like that is something that I constantly, we probably should write that somewhere around the house, babe. Um, like communicate, communicate, communicate. Cause I am an introvert by nature. Um, I go through a journal a month, right? Like I write it down. And once I write it down, I'm done. I figured it out. <laughs> what, whether, whether you know it or not, Sydney, I've figured it out. I've got a plan. I'm good to go. Okay. <laughs> so literally. So I think just, uh, like that over communication piece, um, definitely something that I need to be constantly reminded of, find ways to remind myself. And then, and then two, I think like coming back to this, uh, piece about whether or not it's, education or it's uh raising up the voices of others and i think it's both and I, and there's a part that we didn't get into too much but i'm sure it's like we talk we'll get into this as much more too but i think what's going to save this country and 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 disagree with me or agree with me all you want to friends but it's 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 raising the voice of black women in this country like i think like if we are going to make progress it is raising up the voice of black women in this country because it is black women that kept Trump from being president again, right? <laughs> right? They, they, Way to go. It, it, it was them. If, if, if just a few percentage of black women chose not to vote or voted for somebody else, right? Or voted for Trump, Trump would have been president again. Um, so that there's, there's that. And then two, I just think like what is done to the least of us impacts all of us, right? And in America, black women have gotten a the worst shake of all of it like yes black men get all the all the hype but like black women have gotten all the all the flack and so i think like if if the raising up black women's voices um is going to raise up and benefit the voices of everyone and i know we didn't get into that but i think when we talk about like trump and we talk about right-wing extremism and misinformation and all those things i think all i keep hearing is like these people have a stage and they're getting a bigger piece of the stage. Whereas the people who continuously have never had a chance on that stage, shout out to Kamala, um, still mm-hmm. aren't getting their voices heard. And Kamala. So as, as a man married to a black woman, mom is a black woman. Like we, if we're going to do better in this country, we have to raise the voice of black women in this country. So that's my reflection, babe. Um, I agree. We're done. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, it's always good to be reminded of communication because it really does go both ways, you know. Um, so I'm glad we got a chance to talk about that again. I'm glad I got to kind of reflect and hear how you think about um, raising Joe and the balance that we provide uh, with your heat three to 18, no in between <laughs> and my forever, my baby, uh, like uh method. Yeah. yeah. We need to write an album. So yeah, it's good to be reminded of these things and, um, chat with you in this way. I like this. This was fun. I started getting a little tired. <laughs> I started it. losing energy. <laughs> well, hey, y'all can't see it, but there's a couple of tells that my wife has when she's tired. One of them is she rolls up her sleeves. <laughs> <laughs> I 
sure did. So she was she was rolling up sleeves, boy. And then the other one is she messes with her hair. Yep. And she she was doing sure both did. of them today. So I started unbraiding <laughs> some of my twists. So she she's done. She's yeah. done. So I'm so sorry. Babe, I appreciate you for taking the time to to be on the show. I thank you for all your support with me and everything you continue to do for me. So I appreciate it and I love you. I love you too. Tune in next week. I'm not going to tell you who we have, but, oh, man, it's good. We're going to learn some stuff next week, y'all. We're going to learn. Y'all going to, we're going to do some teaching and, 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 and some learning and some, some learning teaching. All right. We're going to learn today. It's going to, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. So tune in next week, y'all. I have a very special guest at, uh, um, and I appreciate, thank you, Sydney, for coming on to the show. Thank you for all of you who take your time out every week to listen to the show. I, I do not take that for granted. Um, please, uh, like us, subscribe. Um, do all of the things that you can do to uh, amplify this show's voice share it with your friends we're on everywhere now apple um, podcasts we're on breaker we're on google we're on um, spotify anchor so anywhere you go please share it with your friends um yeah that's all i got as always i'll see y'all next week peace